starting a new mimer, page Kufnun Aleph, 151. So, with the help of heaven, the holiday of Pesach, the year 5668, Pesach The mimer starts with the verse, the Mshira Shirim, the voice of my beloved is coming and skipping on the mountains, etc. And the Medrashava says that the voice of my beloved is referring to Moshe. And what does it mean that it's skipping on the mountains? That it skipped over the the end, meaning the end time for when Mashiach will come. Um, me, sorry, it's skipping over the end time for when the redemption from Egypt would come. It skipped from 400 years, which it says Hashem, when Hashem said that we will be slaves in a, to a nation, that we, in a land that is not ours, to a nation for 400 years, but it ended up only being the slavery for only, it happened for 210 years. So there's a skipping on the mountains, it skipped on that end time from 400 to 210. So you can conclude from this, it's referring to, this is referring to the exodus from Egypt. Um, the Diligala Kate. So the Kate, what what type, what type of Kate is it referring to? What end time? The end time for the um, Exodus of Egypt. So the according according to this that it's referring to Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We have to understand why does it say in the Lashon Chayve in the present tense that is the, the voice of my beloved is is coming is skipping present tense, it's saying that this is something which is happening now. Being that it's referring to something which happened in the past, that should have said in the past tense. And the, but the the expression in the, in the verse which is actually used, behold, it is coming. It's, it implies that it's in the present tense, or in the future tense, that it is coming. It's going to come. It's one question. So on this verse, it also is brought. So it's another thing. It's brought that and the voice of my beloved is referring to King Mashiach. So according to this, it's referring to the future redemption. And that's why we could say it's saying it's the the wording of the verses is in the lashon hayve in the present tense or in a future tense, in order to hint that it's also referring to the future redemption. When the um, tribes, the 12 tribes went down to Egypt, it says, a double expression of descent. And also, they're going to Egypt. It says two times in the Torah, Parshas V'yigash and Parshas Shmois. Once in Parshas V'yigash and once in Parshas Shmois, when speaking about when they're going down to Egypt. And also regarding the exodus from Egypt, and the redemption from Egypt, it says a double expression of ascent, meaning there is an ascent after an ascent. But in their exodus from Egypt, there was only one ascent. And the truth is that there was only one ascent. Like the verse says, I will bring you up, I will bring you up out of the poorness and the um, sub, the, and the slavery of Mitzrayim. 
Ach, so why does it say two expressions? It's Avaliyah then. Ach, ki Aliyah zu, habayis, hi, remez zal gula sida, liyaz, gula sida liyaz, mehirameinu amin. So the second Aliyah in that verse, in the verse is referring to, is hinting to the gula sida, the future redemption that will, that will be speedily in our days, amin. And this is how is this second Aliyah happening through the Yerida base, the second descent? And what is the second descent referring to? All the other exiles, besides the exile of um, Egypt. Like the other, the other exiles of the Median exile, the Edim exile, which are also called Mitzrayim in the general sense, are called by Egypt. As it's brought in the Medrashaba, that all the other Goliaths is also called Mitzrayim. And through the second descent, meaning all the other Goliaths, that is how we're going to get to the second ascent, which is referring to the ascent of going out of our present exile into the future redemption of Mashiach. And the Kudetera from the Arizal in the Parsha of Tetzay, the Dalit Goliaths, it's brought that the four exiles are parallel. Refer to the four letters, or hinted hinted to by the four letters of Hashem's name. And Mitzrayim, however, Mitzrayim, the first exile is parallel, is hinted to by the kutzei shal yud, the little point at the top of the yud, not by the letter yud itself. which that point at the top of yud includes all of the four letters of Hashem's name, meaning that it's the it's the source of all the other exiles. And therefore, in the medrash. The exile of Egypt is not considered, um, is not counted as one of the four exiles in the parsha regarding the Brisbane and Besar in the covenant between the parts that was made by Avram, Hashem made with Avram, which is over there. It speaks about all the different birds that were flying over there, and those four birds is referring to the four different exiles, and it's not count. It doesn't count Egypt as one of those birds over there. Because it is more general sense, it refers to the source of all exile. Because exile is the gullus, which includes all of them. It's the source of all the other gullus. And that's, according to this, we can say that's the reason why all of the different exiles are called by the name Egypt. Because in the spiritual sense, Mitzrayim, Egypt, is the spiritual source for all those other gulluses. Because Mitzrayim is the Kesser. Of klipa, which is keser, is the crown, which is the level of which transcends all the regular chain of creation. So it's the highest level of klipa. Shuhu makar kulam, in the source for all the other exiles, for all the other klipa. Lachin nikra al shmeichul. That's that's why all the other goluses are called by the name of Mitzrayim because it is they are their root, their source is in that keser of klipa, which is Mitzrayim. Veishlem ra'id. We can also say lias mitzrach v'derechlalahim v'chenes ksarim. Because in general, the Sitra Achra, the other side, the unholy side, is always called Ksarim. Like the Zayar says, Shinikrem, Aser Kisrin de Misavusa, the ten unholy crowns, of them, the ten impure crowns. Why are they called crowns, the unholy side? Because the unholiness, anything that comes from the Sitra Achra, doesn't have a Erevichais Pnimi, is not imbued, permeated with godly energy. And not in an internalized way. It only receives its energy in a way of makif, meaning in a way where it doesn't it doesn't really feel it in an internal way inside of itself. Therefore, if holiness would be would permeate these unholy things, these these tumadika things, it wouldn't be able to be tum anymore. It would be it would be permeated with kedusha, and therefore it would be holy. 
So therefore, anything which is in the Sitra receives its godly energy because obviously everything in order to exist has to receive life force from Hashem, godly energy, but it doesn't get it in an internalized way. It gets in a makiftika way, in a way where it's not permeating, it's not revealed within it. So that's why in, um, the Sitra in general is called Ksarim. The Kesar type, of, just like a crown, encompasses, is above the head. So to the energy of Klippa is also an encompassing type of energy. Um, and therefore, the Kesar of anything of Klippa is not so removed from it. Like in holiness, in the holy realm, the separateness of Kesar between all the other spheres of the regular chain of creation. Because all all Sitra Akhra type things are Kesar. And therefore, their Kesar, meaning their source of their, their spiritual energy which they receive, is not so removed from them. Because in any way, the whole. So the Kesar of Klippa, which is meaning the source of all Klippa, which is talking about Mitzrayim here, the, is not so removed from all the regular Klippa. Which anyway is in a so to say a mode of keser because everything in the, in the realm of klipa receives its energy in a way where it's more removed from it and not revealed within it. So therefore, also the keser of klipa mitzrayim, the source of all energy of klipa, is also not so removed from all the other klipas, being that they're all in its mode of keser, keser type mode. Whereas in kedusha, everything, anything is usually all 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 things in kedusha receive their divine energy in an internalized way, and that's why they're kedusha. They're holy because they're permeated with holiness. And the Kesser of Kedusha is removed from them because Kesser is in a makiftika way. It's more removed. It's not revealed. And therefore, anything in the Holy Realm, it's very, it doesn't feel it's Kesser because it's in the Holy Realm, everything is in a mode of um, opposite of Kesser, of, of a panemistika, uh, inner, in, 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 internalized energy. Similar to the, the concept that in Kedusha, in the Holy Realms, the, if there's a concept, there's a, a rule that the chain, the descent of the Ksodim, of all the levels of Keser, are interconnected. The Keser of Zah, of the Midas of Atzilas, have an a, um, inherent connection, relationship with the Keser of Atzilas. More than Chachma of Atzilas has with Keser. Even though Chachma is the sphere right before Keser, like it says in the verse, it comes from Ayin, which is referring to Keser. But still, there is a more interconnectedness between the Keser, the Keser of every Keser of every world, the Keser of Zah to the Keser of Atzilas, than to Chachma to Keser. So that's the similar connection there is between all the levels, all the anything which receives, receives its energy from Klippa to the Keser of Klippa, the source of all Klippa, because they're all Keser. Even though we're not talking about the of the chain like connection between the all the is not in a way of ilva all of cause and effect, like the general way of ilva all of all of in the chain of creation. Everything is interconnected within the chain of creation. Every sphera descends from the sphera above it. Nevertheless, there is a interconnectedness, a relationship between the ksodim. Not in a way of ilva all such a deep connected in relationship, but there is a relationship. So too we can say, obviously, with many, many um, separations in Sitra Akhra, but we can use this as an example, the even though it's totally separate because we're talking about Kedusha, of when it's the Ishtal Shazak in all the realm of holiness. But in Klippa, we can compare, use that as, as a way to understand this idea of Klippa. Being that all 
levels of Sitzer are crowns of impurity. They all have this crown aspect to them. They don't receive their godly energy in an internalized way. Therefore, they have a relationship with their source, the Kesser, meaning the source of Akhlipa, and that's why all Goliaths and all uh, or all Goliaths are called by the name of Tzrayim, Egypt, because they have a interconnectedness, a, a relationship with their source, being that all realms, everything in the Sitra Akhra, including the four Goliaths, are in a Kesser state where they don't receive their energy in an internalized way and they receive it in a Kesser type way, in a Makhiftika way. And therefore, all the Goliaths are called Mitzrayim because they have a relationship with that source. Because of Lukutitir Shaman, it's written in Lukutitir and there is all there. When we, the Lukutitir we just brought above the Parsha Tetzay, about the Dalit Goliaths are connected to the Dalit Oasis of Shemavayat and Mitzrayim is the Kutishal Yud. So it says over there, the Edim Yishmol Hintrein Yarchin. The Edim and Yishmol. These two Goliaths are the two um, thighs. And what does the two thighs refer to in the shame of Hayahim? They're always in the Tukunizer. It says that the, it refers to the Netzach and Hayd is the train. Yarchin is the two thighs. The two, the Netzach of Klippa. Adam and Yishmol are the Netzach and Hayd of Klippa. And therefore, now they're in this Golis Edim right now, our main Avoida now, the main Avoida in our main divine service in the time of our exile is in the aspects of Netzach and Hoyt, um, which is our present exile. The Trein Yarchin, Adam and Yishmol, the two thighs, which are Netzach and Hoyt. The Kamesh Bar Machmachar is explained in another place. At the time of um, when the base maker stood, the Jewish souls were in a state of panim panim, face to face. Repetish panim. What does it mean? We're face to face with Hashem. Our face is pointing to Hashem's face. Why specifically it's saying it's pointing out the face here? Repetish panim shalom nefesh. What does it mean that the face of meaning our face pointing to Hashem says? What is our face? Which is the face of our soul. It refers to the what's the true desire of the soul. Panim is always from the Lord Panimius, meaning the inner true core, the true desire of the soul. In the time of the base Mikdash stood, the generals, Jewish souls, in the, by their very nature, inherently they were drawn to service of Hashem. Um, because in the time of the base Mikdash stood, there was a revelation of godliness in the world, and especially in the in the base of Mikdash itself, but because in the base of Mikdash, Hashem's presence was revealed, therefore Hashem's presence in general was revealed more in the world. And like we see the revelation of godliness as expressed in the base of Mikdash, there was a godly fire that would come down and, and devour the carbon, the sacrifice, the base of Mikdash, in the, in the holy temple, there was a revelation of Hashem's infinite energy, Mamish, and that's why all the ten miracles that happened in the base of Mikdash, like it says in Pirkei like it says in the verse, the three times of the year, all the people, the Jewish, the men should come up, and they should be seen in the base of Mikdash, and then the the Med- and the um, Gemara and Chagiga says, just like the it makes a um, a drasha on this word Yeroi, just like they came to be seen by Hashem in the base of Mikdash, so too they came to see Hashem, meaning to see, to actually see revelation of Godliness, Hashem's presence. They actually saw. Revelation of Hashem's infinite presence in the base of Mikdash. And automatically, being that they were experiencing a revelation of godliness in the time of the base of Mikdash, the Jewish souls 
their inner desire was to service of Hashem. That was their natural inner desire. They were drawn to service of Hashem because there was a revelation of, God's, of Hashem's presence and automatically that drew them to Him. But in the time of exile, it's a hester upon him. It's called a hiding of Hashem's face, meaning a hiding of Hashem's uh, revelation of Hashem's inner essence. And therefore, automatically also a hiding of our inner essence, our inner desires not to, uh, a natural inner desire not to God and serve Hashem anymore. Like it says, our, our miracles we do not see anymore. We do not see Hashem's presence anymore in a revealed way. Like the, and also another verse in Tillam it says, Why do the nations say, Where is their God? That now in the times of exile, godliness is in a state of Aye. Where is it? In a state of where, meaning it's not revealed. That godliness is not comprehended, it's not seen, it's not revealed at all. Therefore, automatically, the Jewish souls don't have, they don't experience a inner submissiveness and inner nullification to Hashem anymore because they don't they don't feel Hashem's presence and the only way to really experience a true bittel is when you're truly feeling and you're feeling revelation of Hashem's presence like we say we say that now in the time of exile we are not able to go up to the base of Mikdash and to see Hashem's presence and to bow down before you. Bowing down always refers to a state of inner bittel, a true bittel to Hashem. That's just the outer expression of it. So because we do not have the ability to see anymore Hashem's presence, we're not experiencing and truly feeling Hashem's revelation. Therefore, we don't have that ability to have the inner bittel. As explained in the, the explanation of this verse, in the Kutitera, the Mimer entitled Mizmer Shir Chanukas, Ha'alif, the first one of those my body, and the next page now, the Bizman, the Basin Mikdash, through the times of the Holy Temple, so stood through the, our seeing Hashem's uh, presence, seeing the revelation of Godliness. That's how we had automatically this idea of, of bowing down. Which refers to a Bittal Panimi, inner submissiveness, an inner surrender to Hashem. During the time of exile, being that we are not able to go up. And experience this aliyah regal into lirays and to see Hashem's presence. All days it ain't on you chaylin shtachavis. Automatically, we don't have the ability to bow down to experience a bittel pnimi. Lirays bichinas bittel pnimi. Kiim ikra mehusa aveda b'smana golus hu davka bichinas midas and itzuach. Rather, the main service of Hashem, which is experienced in the time of exile, is like I said earlier, and then edim yishmol are the two thighs of netzach and hoyd of klipa, and that's why our main aveda now is to combat those. That 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 klipa of netzach and hoid, and therefore our main avodah now is in the netzach and hoid, and of time of exile is specifically in the midas and nitzuach. First of all, netzach is the midah of nitzuach, which is a victor, victorious overcoming. Tahayna, what does it mean? Meaning to strengthen ourselves with our bichinas nitzuach, with our midas and netzach of kedusha. A victory against anything which is preventing us from service of Hashem and preventing us from, from attaching ourselves to godliness to Hashem. And to also express our nitzuach, our netzach, to be very strong in our fulfillment of Teda Mitzvah in actuality, not to let anything get in our way of fulfilling Teda Mitzvah in actuality, to be very strong to overcome any 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 tests, anything getting in our way. Even though we don't have any inner feeling 
and any inner enthusiasm in our uh, connection to Hashem. But still, we stand up strong against anything that's testing us and don't, don't let these things get to us. Don't let them phase us. Like it was in the time that the Holy Temple stood, that we have uh, we have arousal of love and fear of Hashem. Like it says in Tanya, in the first part of the book, and not, not uh, out of the five books of Tanya, in the, first, in the fourth chapter, he who fulfills Terimitzis in a true way is he who loves Hashem and fears his name. That's how you have an inner vitality when you fulfill mitzvahs. Because you, you love, like just one person loves somebody, so then they do that, whatever, they, they help that person in it with an inner feeling. But here we're talking about even time of exile, we don't feel Hashem's presence as much. We don't have a, we don't experience love and fear as much, but we still stand up strong and do what Hashem wants in actuality, even though we don't feel it. Even though we don't experience an inner feeling or an inner enthusiasm in our service of Hashem always, nevertheless, we um, overpower, we, we arouse within ourselves a overcoming of anything getting in our way, just in a way of victoriousness, to be complete in all our fulfillment of meaning in a way of overpowering, in a way where I'm not going to give up, I'm not going to give in to anything to anything which is testing me, even though I don't feel it, even though I don't feel any connection to Hashem, I'm just going to overpower everything. That's Netzach. And what's the idea of Hoid, which we have, to, we have to focus on during time of exile to overpower, to overcome, to beat, to be victorious over the klipa of Adam and Shmol. The Hoid is who is to bow down and to be to admit to Hashem, which is enlivening and creating all of existence. And everything is totally nullified out of its existence to Hashem, because Hashem is creating every moment and because everything is actually absorbed within Hashem's presence. Even though we do not comprehend this, this bittle which is really happening every moment, and because the everything creation is being created by Hashem and enlivened by Him every moment, we don't comprehend that because we don't experience the revelation of Godliness during the time of exile. Nevertheless, like it says in the Shemayna we admit that the truth is so. The truth is that everything is totally nullified within Hashem. Everything before Hashem's presence is nothing. Which goes to be Geras Akedish Tesvav Dimaskal Lahavim Mashal Litza, like it says in Geras Akedish, the 15th epistle in the Dimaskal Lahavim Mashal Litza, it speaks about this idea of Haidah. So that's the idea of Haid. It's to submit yourself, to surrender to Hashem, because everything is truly nullified in His presence and everything is nothing before Him, even though we don't comprehend it. And that is our two focuses during the time of exile to combat the Adam and Yishmal, which is the exile that we're in, which are the Klippa of Netzach, of Klippa. And now we have to focus on Netzach, overcoming any obstacles, even though we don't feel it, and Hoid, nullifying ourselves, submitting ourselves, surrendering ourselves to Hashem, even though we don't comprehend it. We'll stop there. Um, about 10 lines at the top of page Kufnum, Kufnum Base.